Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Anything But Typical podcast. We have the Anything But Typical Bethany Miller with us. I can't wait for you to hear her story. Uh, you will be inspired. You may need a tissue or two as well, but man, she is a dynamo. And I've gotten to know her over the last number of years being in a mastermind with her. And so I'm really glad that you get to hear her story. I'm glad I get to hear more of her story. So um, as we do typically in on the Anything But Typical podcast, so here we, we like starting with a heartbeat question, Bethany, versus all the accolades. We'll get into the accolades and we'll get into all the, the rest of the behind the scenes story as well for you, but here's the scenario. All right, so you have just had your early morning paddleboard session on Lake Wiley. You've had the solitude, you've had your JBL speaker out there. It didn't get in the water, even though it's waterproof. You've had a wonderful morning, but it was too early for Lowe's to open up. And so now you've changed, you've gotten some clothes on to go to the Lowe's because you've been stressed about work. And so you're going to do what you typically do, which is paint walls. You're going to Lowe's. Somebody sees you marching directly to the paint section and somebody's talking about you and they go, hey, that's Bethany Miller. What would you like somebody to be saying about you? So professionally, I would, um, well, and first of all, Gary, Ben, thank you so much for and having me as a guest on, on your podcast. It's an honor. Um, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, so yeah, professionally, I, I would think that, um, you know, those, those that know me in, in that space would, would say that I'm very passionate, um, you know, certainly about what I do. It is, it's, it's something I, I can probably talk about all day. Um, and I think that they would also say that, um, I was, I'm caring, you know, and in a home care you know, industry, whatever. I'm not just taking care of clients. I'm also taking care of my caregivers. So um, again, passionate about those things. People who know me personally would probably say I'm the eternal optimist and that I embrace a lot of adversity as, you know, and, and I think that they would also, you know, probably say that kindness is almost like a religion to me. I just believe that it's free. And, you know, when we present ourselves in the world, that's how we should show up, even when, you know, uh, it might be challenging. So, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. They'll see by the time this episode's done that you uh, exuded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So really quickly, Bethany's the, the founder and CEO of Aroga, uh, which is a boutique home care service company. And Bethany, as you were talking there, you're saying things like being passionate and caring and kindness, things like that. And so I want to go back to really your why of, of what led you to becoming an RN in the first place. Yeah. So um, my, my story is, it, it's, it's long. And so I'll give you the abbreviated version. Um, you know, I, I was a teenage pregnancy, um, married the man that, you know, is the father of, of my son, Nicholas, who is now 21. 
um, we are since divorced, but um, we were together for 19 years. So um, anyway, when Nicholas was born, he was born blind. And part of my journey with Nicholas was actually being on the receiving end of having people coming into my home and, and providing services for my son. Mm-hmm. And those were skilled services. Um, so we're talking about teachers for the visually impaired and occupational and physical therapists and all those. But really, I think that that was kind of just the starting point of, um, you know, realizing that there's even th- this service that exists, right? But how powerful, impactful it is. Um, and then from there, you know, um, I, I dove into that world of, you know, um, you know, learning Nicholas is, I learned Braille, you know, um, had two more kids, Olivia and Samuel, um, they're 18 and 15, and, and then became a non-traditional college student when they were, when they were babies. And, you know, my grandfather is a, he's a uh, veterinarian. Um, He has had a lot of accomplishments in, the field of uh, feline research, and um, uh, in, in particular, the feline leukemia vaccine. And, um, and my dad has always owned his own business, and he's an entrepreneur himself. Um, so I was going to college and in a completely different path, asked my grandfather if I could read some of his research. And it was so fascinating to me how they came up with this vaccine and the processes of it. So I switched to medical and, um, and it was, it was a good fit for me. It was, it just kind of a natural, a natural fit. And, you know, when I graduated, I graduated one to top of my class and I was asked to, um, to work at a boutique in New York. It was a boutique um, assisted living facility. And there, um, within a year after, after working there, uh, they asked me to be the director of nursing. So it was kind of really right into some leadership roles right yeah. away. Um, and, um, moving down to North Carolina, you know, things, I started my own company once I moved down here. So that's sort of the, the, the short as I can make it. That, and I don't know. <laughs> so I want to, I want to talk about your your time as a director of nursing up in up in my neck of the woods in Ithaca, New York. Um, you were like you said, you were thrust into leadership very early. Uh, what what did you learn holding leadership management roles and responsibilities that early in your career? What were things that you learned that you've been able to since apply to, to running your own business? Yeah, so, you know, I, it, it was such a unique situation. Um, and I had a great my the owner. Um, of, of the assisted living. I mean, she just took me under her wing and mentored me. Um, she would have me go in on some of these really big meetings and I'm like, I'm not qualified for any of this, you know, don't we have somebody who, and she's like, no, it's you. And she really always kind of pushed me to, to, to get out outside of my comfort zone. And I think the, the thing that just came really naturally is people would, would want, to, to follow me, like, you know what I mean? So being a leader and having people that are like, Hey, Bethany, help me, tell me what I need to be doing. Show me was, you know, especially for being so young, 
um, again, there were times that were really uncomfortable. And I was thinking, you know, I'm managing people that are, you know, in their fifties and I'm only, you know, in my early thirties. So, um, yeah, so I, I think as far as, as that journey goes and, you know, and again, having to kind of get thrust in a role where you're on call all the time, people need to go through you to get certain medications approved that they can give and, and those kinds of things. I mean, I think being needed was something I embraced um, during my time as, as the director of nursing and knowing that everything I'm doing, I'm doing to help people. Yeah. So there was another piece of what you were talking about in, in your, your background that caught my attention. And that was the exposure to entrepreneurship, right? Throughout your life and very early on. And we've seen a lot of it on the show of a lot of entrepreneurs in some capacity early on saw business ownership or entrepreneurship. So what type of impact did that have? And some people they get to see and work in the, their parents' companies all the time. Others that's on the outside, they don't see much. What, what impact did that have for you growing up? Yeah. So my, my father was in landscaping and snow removal and there, it, there were seasons that were very challenging um, so I kind of got to see the whole gamut of businesses failing, you know, my father going through bankruptcy, going through partnerships that never worked out and, and, and some discord with those kinds of things being embezzled, like people like taking from him. I mean, i I saw all of these things that were very unsettling, I think. And, and at the time, I mean, you're young, you're just kind of going through it as a family, um, you know, and it, it was, it was oftentimes like feast or famine. There were times, you know, I'm, I'm the second oldest of six. So I think my, my younger siblings have a little bit of a different feel of what their childhood was like, mm -hmm. but, you know, being one of the older siblings, I, I, you know, there were seasons where it's just like, you know, and my parents were always very positive. It's okay. We're going to have spaghetti again for dinner tonight, you know, and it's, it's just, and my father would always say, my guys get paid first sorry, I'm the last person who gets paid. And that's how, you know, that's how I roll. I always take care of my front line. And I think that's one of the things that I really have adopted. And that's become really near and dear to my heart is, is your front line is, it, it's really easy to take care of a client. But if you take care of your front line, everybody's going to get taken care of. And so, you know, that was something my father really instilled in me. Um, I have three siblings that are entrepreneurs and myself. <laughs> so we've all sort of branched off and, um, my, my brother, one of my brothers actually bought my dad's company. And so, yeah. So even with some of those experiences, right. Seeing the embezzlement, seeing your father going through bankruptcy, the trivial times that come with owning a business also, right? It's not just the glitz and the glam that sometimes people like to, to paint. Yeah. Going through that, did you, did you have an interest or plan in creating your own company and going into entrepreneurship? Or did that skew you a little bit where you, you almost shied away from it? But I, I would say that it, it skewed me because I'm a, I'm a person who likes security. And being an entrepreneur, there's not a lot of security, especially when you're, you know, starting out and it's kind of, you know, even with a rogue, I went through a phase where I was like, my company's dissolving itself. Like, 
I don't know what to do, you know, and it's really being able to have that vision. And again, my father was a very big part of helping me to mentor me through some of the harder times, just being like, you know what, just keep doing the right thing for all the right reasons. The money will come. It'll come. Just keep on going. You know, your heart's on the right page. You're, you're passionate, you know? And so mm-hmm. he was right. I mean, and, and again, he, he was an entrepreneur his whole life. So, um, so you, you have that skew a little bit. You, you're looking for security. So then talk us through the process of actually deciding to create your company after being skewed, looking for security and stability instead. Talk us through that process. Yeah. So when I came down to North Carolina, I decided I didn't really want to get into management. Um, you know, I was literally on call for four years straight, um, you know, and, and I had set some things up so that it was a little bit easier before I left um, because they had gone through five directors of nursing in less than three years. And so for me to come on and stay as long as I did, it, it's just, it's very challenging. It's a very stressful role. Yep. Um, so when I came down, down to North Carolina, I just said, I don't wanna do that. So I started working with um, the skilled nursing, going into people's homes and you know doing wound dressings and working for you know atrium. And I only lasted four months because it's hard to go from higher management to now like staying up until midnight doing documentation and you know having to f- see eight patients a day because of certain regulations and things like that and not being able to really provide um, the quality of attention I f- felt like I needed to do. So that's really where I was like, where's all the really good quality caregivers? Why am I going into these homes and there's this huge turnover? And, you know, I did about five months of research and then started Aroga. I had $2,000 <laughs> to start and um, in, a, in, a, in a mentor through the SCORE program who helped me create the business plan and, you know, get things up and going. But that was really what started it is I just saw that I didn't want, you know, what was being offered at the time. Right. for my own parents or my loved ones. And so I'm like, I had all the, all the skills to be able to do it in myself. So. Yep. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Ben, you hit one of the questions that I had. So it's just kind of funny how that works. And it was about, you know, were you dreaming of entrepreneurship as a kid or were you running away from it because of what you'd seen? Right. And so that's really wonderful. You know, knowing you, you are a person definitely driven by purpose. Right. And I I think sometimes these experiences that we go through and if anybody's been paying attention to your story, you've been through some hard times, you know, and um, talk to us about your purpose and what's driving you and compelling you forward in in the face of adversity and how has that changed much or did you have a crystalline moment that just continued to build talk to us about that yeah so when when i moved down here um so my my ex-husband um you know i was married very young 
he is an, a great guy. So I'm going to preface all this with he's a great guy. Um, you don't usually talk about things like, what do you want? You know, who is someone going to be an at home person? Are we going to do? And I always wanted to be a career woman. And, and we really just did not see eye to eye about some certain things. And so I started a Roga, but it was really in some ways, not with his full blessing. And I think, um, what ended up happening is as it was becoming more successful, there was a lot of insecurity there um, because it was pulling me away. Obviously, I was finding fulfillment in, in what it was I was doing. Um, again, I was back in this role of having people who needed me and, you know, really just needing to be on point all the time. And, and it's, it, you know, all the things that I actually thrive in. Um, so he did give me an ultimatum at one point and he just said, you know, you need to choose your career or you need to choose me. And, you know, I just had had a moment where I really, really had to give this thought. Part of me was like, this isn't really real. This isn't really happening. And it's just kind of, you know, posturing, but I, I did actually prayerfully consider this, this kind of situation I was in you know, clearly he was unhappy and it really just came to me very clearly, like everything that I'm doing and everything I've been through, I'm living my purpose right now with Aroga and doing the things that I'm doing and helping the people that I'm helping. And there's so much good that can happen. And there's so many, you know, it's almost like tentacles of an octopus. There's, you can just touch so many people and help so many individuals. And it just, was such a need and I just feel like, especially with seniors, they're so underrepresented. Um, they pay the most and they get poor quality care. And, you know, so I, I get really passionate about the things that I love. And so I, I basically kind of said like, you know, you are one person, but sometimes there's aspirations on, you know, relationships and I need support to do what I'm passionate about and what I feel like is my God-given purpose. And so we parted ways. Um, really, it, you know, it, October of 2019 was when, you know, we separated. In November of 2019, one month later, I have half the furniture in my house and, you know, I've, I haven't lived on my own by myself, I, pretty much never. Um, but since I was 18, we'd been together. It was just a huge adjustment for me. And in November, one month later, I found out I had cancer and in lung cancer. And two days before Thanksgiving, I ended up having my right lung removed. And that was, that was a really huge turning point for me because not only am I kind of alone, I now have this business that I realized it's, I don't have someone to fall back on. I don't have a husband to fall back on. If it doesn't succeed, then I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, what am I going to do? And so that was really the catalyst. That was, that was what really just put me into the next level where not only do I need to recover, but Aroga it, you know, it needs to, to really blossom and grow. And it wasn't really a question at that point. It was a, there's no other option. You know, I'm choosing to make this decision 
you know, and, and very consciously. And that year, Agroga grew by a hundred percent within the year. I, it, it was amazing because I was going through so much and I was in such a vulnerable space and learning so much, like in my personal realm. And again, people would be like, Bethany's so put together, but Gary, you know, (laughs) we're in this group, Gary knows like, no, no, Bethany's not put together. Um, you know, in the back of, you know, in the background, there's so many struggles and so much loss and things that I was dealing with, but all of those things were really what pushed me to just be like, you know what, just pour my heart into what I love. And it's just, you know, take no prisoners, just go. So yeah, that was, that was the time. When you were going through all of that, I mean, man, you know, just the emotional upheaval and just, you know, deep, deep loss, you know, scary stuff, all of that, you know, a lot of change and a lot of difficulties. And you're still at the helm running a company, having a lung removed. You know, you you were helpless at that point, at, at that moment. Talk to us about the folks that helped you kind of keep the wheels on the the wagon, you know, while Aroga is still growing and you're recovering. Talk to us a little bit about that and anything that you learned, you know, especially, you know, learning points from that moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I look back, it's just so incredible. I think how like God just provides, um, you know, I, I take care of people, but I have a very difficult time being on the receiving end of that. And I have a mentor who really also has been very pivotal in pushing me beyond my comfort zone. And during the time with the, with the lung procedure, he, he said, I need someone to take care of me in my household. And I, of course, was like, absolutely not. And he went out on his own and hired a live-in person for me for six weeks weeks on his own. He was like, Merry Christmas. But I will have to say that I don't think I would almost be alive. I mean, maybe I would if it was not for that, you know, for, and, and her name is Anna, but if it was not for Anna, just loving on me, loving on my family, helping me to just, I mean, I was in the in and out of the emergency room several times. I mean, there was just so many things that, um, you, you know, that would that I struggled through during that time. And, you know, my whole family's in New York. Um, you know, so when I moved down here, I didn't have necessarily a huge support system. I have my, you know, few close friends, and, you know, so because a lot of my time, you know, focus has been on. Um, you know, <laughs> Aroga and, and my family and everything else. So yeah, um, of course, you know, Gary and, and some of the, the groups that we were part of that, you know, I try not to be part of too many because it, you know, can become all consuming. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of people who know my whole story. Um, but yeah, so that, that there was 
several people that really, again, helped me through that. I mean, I had virtual support. One of the people that really was very pivotal was um, my sister, Kelly. She, Nicholas wasn't handling the, uh, the separation very well. Um, and he really needed more attention at that point than I felt like I could give him. So my sister who didn't work at the time, she, um, she took him, you know, to her house in Kentucky and he was there for eight months. So in April, after I had had my surgery, she died in a car accident. And that was really, I think one of the breaking points for me, actually, thankfully I still had someone staying with me um, or, or, or Anna, actually Anna ended up coming back and staying with me because I hit a very deep depression after that happened. I mean, in six months I had my marriage, um, you know, I had found out a cancer and then, you know, I have this major loss. So, it, and now I've got to take Nicholas back who's grieving a second mother almost. And it was a very difficult time. Um, but again, I, I'm, I'm so thankful. Anna was the person who was turning on the shower in the morning and literally Bethany get up and go to work. You know, and I think sometimes when you have a partner in life, like, you know, a spouse or somebody like that, I mean, we're always coming to the table like, I always say 80, 20, give, like, we got to come up with at least 80% between two of us, you know, or a whole family unit, just, you know, we don't always have to be perfect, but we got to be there for each other when we're not, you know, on point all the time, or we're not, you know, a hundred percent. And so I, it, that was a huge eye opener that like, you know, I'm alone, I'm alone and I have these kids and I have this routine and I'm dealing with the grief and loss and I'm trying to run a company. And so it, it, you know, having, having on, it was, a, was a huge, um, you know, I mean, it was, it was big for me. It was like having a partner. I, she was, was always joking. Like, what time are you going to come home for dinner? I said, I feel like I have a wife. So, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, again, these are the times and the moments where you just realize that you have grit and you, you take those moments, you take this, you know, all these adversities that are kind of getting thrown, thrown at you. And again, I, sometimes I felt like it was just daggers. I'm like, when's it going to stop? And it's just so much loss again. And, and then you have all this responsibility on top of you at the same time. And again, a rogue was growing very fast. So, um, and I didn't have an assistant at the time. And so it was just me, you know, 30 employees and, you know, just trying to do the best I could and then dealing with, with the other side of things on, on the personal realm. So, yeah, you know what? It's the dark threads in the tapestry of life that make something beautiful. You know, there's pastel tapestries out there but they have no depth. So it's all these struggles I think that people sometimes go through that that really give, um, you know, make it make things interesting and 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 help people to grow. So that's how I look at it. But so first, I want to say thank you for the the vulnerability and transparency. Right, being able to to share your story and being as open as you are, it, it shows incredible strength. And the, the thing that kept popping in my mind was the word how, right? So 
it's one thing for Anna to have helped you in the day-to-day of you got to get up and shower and go to work. And that gets you from one day to the next to the next. But how do you eventually break that cycle to be able to move forward in your life instead of surviving and getting through the day? That's the thing that kept coming to my mind. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it is, is really just, again, you know, checking in with yourself. It's okay to, and Gary actually reminded me of something during that time. And, and, and I'll never forget it because it's actually helped me even more. But I remember just saying like, I have just such a dark cloud. It's almost like I can't, like, it's just not my personality to feel like, and stay in this space, but I, I don't know what to do. And he was like, Bethany, right. You remember saying this, right. You need to start a gratitude journal. And, you know, it's, it is very, it's definitely something that I had been like, oh, I've done that in the past. Why am I not doing it when I'm in this moment? And I think just kind of going against what you think you need to be doing and just embracing again. Thank you so much for all of the things you need, just all the things you know, that, that, that you have, thank you so much that my company's growing, you know, so you're just kind of throwing this stuff out into the universe and it's gratitude. And I think, um, that was, that was one thing that, you know, I, 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 I did do it a lot alone. And, but again, you know, I had Anna, I had my mentors and I have, you know, my friends, but I still, you know, my personality still struggles with asking for help. So people don't know how to come alongside you if you don't know how to ask. And so, you know, that that's probably one of my weaknesses, but again, um, you know, learning and growing and, and, and really just in looking at my kids every day and just feeling like the, the reason that I do what I do is because I want them to continue to, to, to have like, either the lifestyle or not have to move schools or you know there was a lot of things that were up in the air when when we separated and 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 so on and so you know my kids are a huge part of my my why um specifically you know as they get older nicholas and knowing that he's going to have ongoing needs his whole life and and really you know knowing that you know i i need to be able to provide for him. And he does motivate me every day. He's if I'm positive, he's way, he just, he's way more positive even than I am. I mean, life is just so good. And he has so many things that he's grateful for. And he lives in a space of gratitude and his life is hard. And so I learned so much just being in that energy and in that space every day. It's a constant reminder of how blessed, you know, I am. As, as a mother, as a human being on this planet. And um, so. So I got to jump in here. So I didn't know about, I, I, I think I know who your mentor is, <laughs> but um, I did not know that he paid for six weeks of care. Well, I have two is, mentors, so I don't think that you know this. Okay. Person. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, cause I, I should, I should have specified that I do, I do, I, I have, yeah, we have a mutual friend that, 
has been very pivotal walking the halls with me in the hospital and those kinds of things yeah, yeah. um this individual would not be happy if i named him so yeah. um so I'll keep that but you know at one point he said you need an office and at one point he said you need an assistant and i i'm like these are the numbers like it doesn't make sense if i feel uncomfortable i need again getting back to that security and him saying you know what I believe enough in you that you do exactly what I tell you to do. Do not deviate from my plan and I will not let you fall. And I don't know a lot of people who've ever had that kind of a situation where I never, never needed a cent other than, you know, paying for, for Anna during that time, uh, you know, as a gift, I, there was nothing else given. And so, but with that, as far as monetary, I mean, but with that, I mean, it pushed me, you know, now I've got actual brick and mortar and now I've got to pay a salary for, you know, an assistant and, and everything. And, you know, cause I kept seeing myself sort of in this cycle of, I, I'm not really growing past a certain point. And he's like, well, you know, again, he's, he'd had 15 companies and been very, very successful. And I did everything. <laughs> I continue to still listen to him. I do everything he tells me to do. And, um, you know, and, and he's been very good at just about. And, and I think, again, going back to my relationship and that being my support system that wasn't really there, having someone say, I believe in you, it was almost like I just needed that. I just needed someone to say, I believe in you so much that I'm not going to let you fail. It's just not going to happen. And, and really just to be like, Hey, it's Russian roulette and I win. And, and that's really how he was coming to the table. This is Russian roulette, Bethany. I win. I know I win. And <laughs> I think that that has to be like, it's really, I, I think everybody should be mentoring somebody. And I think everybody should have a mentor really. Um, there's just something really great about being able to teach and, and also be taught all the time. So, yeah. So I, I gotta ask you, how did, how did you find this mentor or did they find you? It's kind of, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, I was taking care of his mother. It was in the beginning stages and, you know, I had my contracts and all of these things. And, um, his daughter contacted me and she's like, Bethany, my dad's like a lawyer. He's going to tear you up and spit you out. And he said, he's going to go through this contract with a fine tooth comb. He's going to find all these errors and everything else in there. She goes, I'm just telling you. And I had a lawyer job up all my contracts. So, you know, I, I, I paid for that. It wasn't like it was, you know, something I got off the internet or whatever. So I was pretty confident in myself and we decide to meet and go over, you know, go over the contract. And he is, well, this and this, and then he's, he's finding stuff. And, and then he looks up at me and I just start laughing. And I said, do you want a job? And he goes, well, that was unexpected because I thought this was gonna go one of two ways. You're either gonna be really upset and defensive or you were gonna be like, I'm just gonna fix everything. And instead you're like thinking this is, and I said, listen, it's funny because I paid so much for all this stuff and having professionals that do this, create all this. And 
I can see where you're going with some of this stuff. I like the way your mind works. And he took a moment of pause for a minute and talked to me a little bit more about my company. And he goes, you know what? He goes, my wife said, I'm not allowed to do any more like investing in stuff. He said, so I need a project and I'd love to take you under my wing if you're willing and you want some help. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, cause I need something to do. So that was sort of history from there. I mean, we, unfortunately his mom just passed away a couple of days ago. So this has been two and a half years of a really great relationship that we've had. Um, and, and I, I think, you know, again, we'll continue to, you know, have our, um, him mentoring me or whatever, but, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a journey, you know, because again, he went through all those things with me. He went through the separation, divorce, you know, cancer, the death and the depressions and all those kinds of things. So having, having a voice that's really like a strength in the background, just feeling get up you know, is, um, is, is definitely, it, that was definitely helpful. Yeah. So you were going through all of those things and as you were, it then leads into COVID, right? Which dramatically changed the entire, <laughs> anything related to your industry, right? So I want to start with a very basic one. We'll obviously dive into it, but but how did COVID impact your business? And then we want to talk about how I handled it and how it evolved, things like that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I like to be able to look at things and just kind of think outside the box a little bit. So instead of looking at COVID as a problem, I looked at it as an opportunity um, and changed my advertising a little bit. No one wants to have their mom in an assisted living or a nursing home now or a rehab center for that matter. We've got a national caregiver shortage. We've got fear that's everywhere. And, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and then we have the lockdowns where you can't even go see your mother if she's in an assisted living because someone has COVID on four five. So I took that as an opportunity to really educate and just put, push it out there with, with educating individuals like they can stay at home. We bring in, you know, home care, they stay at home. I changed my policies with my caregivers so they didn't go into more than two homes. You know, we match up and I increased our, our limits of time. So as far as business goes, again, I took that opportunity to just reevaluate Aroga. What are we doing? What, you know, we're providing this service. There's, again, there's a need. And I also, um, during that time, you know, started to do live-in care. So caregivers that actually go and they stay for five days at a time, and it's a lot less expensive because it's not an hourly, it's not on a rotation on an hourly basis. It's charged on a day rate, care, uh, you know, caregivers get paid on a day rate. And so giving them people options to just say, yeah, this actually works a lot better for me. And, you know, so I, Again, Aroga grew another 60% during COVID. And I think, again, a lot of that was just kind of taking it. And the challenge was definitely the caregivers. I mean, we were, it's hard, it's, there's a national shortage still. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I took it as an opportunity just to reevaluate. So and, and, and I, yeah. You're good, go. Yeah. I was just going to say one of the things that I think is, is, 
is is something that I think I've learned throughout all of this is adaptability. And, and that is really, really key. Because I think sometimes in companies, we get locked into a thought process and we get locked into a routine. And you know, we got to be able to adapt to all these kinds of crazy things that come at us. And COVID was definitely a crazy thing. And I think a lot of even home care companies were not doing well. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And you mentioned the shortage and ironically, this came up with a client meeting of mine yesterday where they were looking for in-home care and weren't doing it because of the constant turnover, right? And so you talk right on your website of your low turnover rate. So how have you been able to maintain and attract caregivers to where you can not only have them, but then have that low turnover rate. So your, your clients can have that consistency and they have that reliability. Cause I think that's vital in your, in your business. Absolutely. It's, it's actually one of the things that we focus the most on is, is when a caregiver is placed, that's your person. So my philosophy since the very start of Aroga has been, you know, when caregivers come in, we ask them, you know, what schedule do you want? What do you, you know, work works with your family? How much do you expect to get paid? You know, what are the kind of clients that you want to work with? It is a very, it's very specific. I feel like I have two clients. I have the caregivers who I, I need to know. I want to, and, and, and I know when stuff is going on with their families, you know, if their little one is in the hospital, they'll call me, hey, Bethany, listen, I need you to pray for me and my family. This is what's going on. I'm like, okay, I'll come up to the hospital and see you. Like, it's the personal touches. It's the little things where they, you're checking in on them two days later. Like, are you okay? Is there anything you need? Do you need time off? You know, or once they've had time off, Hey, I'm worried about you. Do you need more hours? Like, tell me what you need to how can I help you navigate the situation? We know that people need to work, but we also know that they need to be there with their families. You know, if a client passes away, it's really, so I will say that we are not the cheapest, most inexpensive by, by any means, but we are one of the highest paying in the industry. Because again, I think when you have your profit margins, those caregivers are the ones pulling up their sleeves every day. And they're the ones that are dealing with hospice and, you know, families that are emotionally involved in, in, in the death and dying of their loved one. And, you know, it's, it's hard work and the burnout is high, but I have caregivers that have been with me since day one. And I will also say through my personal adversities and all the things that I've gone through, their loyalty and their ability to see the vision and come alongside and just be like, that you know it, it, that I will say was probably is much. Listen, Aroga is not about Bethany. <laughs> it's about all the people that make up Aroga. You know what I mean? Like we we just have really awesome people that you know we've brought on our team that make stuff happen, and you know we come in with those things that aren't teachable. You know, you, you, I bring on caregivers and, you know, you can teach someone how to make an occupied bed, but you can't teach them how to care. You can't teach them integrity. You can't teach them compassion. So you can have all the skills in the world, but if you're good for our culture, then you, you actually have something 
that's not teachable. And, you know, that's really where we kind of draw that line when we're picking our people. So we're very picky, but yeah. I don't know. Did that answer your question, Ben? Yeah, yeah, it, it <laughs> definitely did. long-winded. I'm... No, 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 it definitely did. And it ties back to what your dad talked about with to you as a child of, I'm the one that eats last. I take care of my people, right? And you've carried, you mentioned it at the beginning and you just mentioned it again there in reality of you make sure that you are fans of your people, right? And you care for your people. And then in turn, they will then care for your clients, right? It, it's, it's that system of, which is in most businesses probably backwards, but the leadership cares for the cut or for the employees, the employees then care for the clients. Yeah. And I, I would say with home care in general, most many home care agencies are owned by business people. That's not a problem. Like businessmen specifically, to be honest, the, the issue with that sometimes I think is that it's missing. So I have a learning curve on my end because I'm a nurse. Right. But but we're, we're getting it right when it comes to the compassion piece. You can't, we can't be in a caregiving business. If we're not taking care of our own. Right. And that's where the turnover rates are between 35 and 65% with these home care agencies. Caregivers have cried at interviews when I'm like, no, you, you tell me what you want. Like I find you, your schedule, your client, like we want you to be happy. And they're just like, we've never worked with a company like this before ever. Yeah. We, I've been doing this for 30 years. I had one caregiver say not too long ago, I've been doing this for 30 years. No one's ever asked me what I wanted. And, you know, sometimes it's a law of numbers, you know, but again, getting back to my dad, his people were, I mean, I grew up with his guys and they were all dudes my whole life I, I went landscaping in the summer and I was part of their crew and let me just tell you nobody could talk sideways because they were so protective of us kids and my father and it was it was just it was kind of like I mean the loyalty was really impressive even to me during that time um growing up because yeah. you know people make mistakes we're human my dad wasn't perfect all the time and yet they would stand by anything he said. And so, yeah, that, that was definitely something I learned, but. Even though I've known you and been in this group, which we get into, we get into the good stuff and the tough stuff, you know, which has really been fun, you know, but man, I have learned a whole bunch of great stuff from you and Anybody out there that even if they're not an entrepreneur or they go, you know, that that's not for me, there's a lot of stuff in this that applies, you know, how you treat your people. But one thing that I think is really powerful about your mentor, you know, a lot of people when when things are tough, they don't know what to say. So they say, hey, if you need anything, call me. You didn't he didn't do that. He said he took the bull by the horns because he knew you weren't going to call him. <laughs> and so I think there's a huge lesson there for anybody paying attention. You know, you see a need and it grabs you, do something about it. You know, if, you're, if it's within your means. And sometimes it's just like you said, 
I just needed somebody to believe in me. We can all do that. We can all do that. So I, I just thought that was really powerful. And the other thing is you had the ability and the willingness to be teachable. Because again, <laughs> if you don't have that, sorry, <laughs> you can have, you know, Mother Teresa could come in to try to help you and you wouldn't accept it. So one of the things that is to that point, almost exactly those words is, is he actually said, you're teachable. And, and I just thought that was the funniest thing. I went around, I was like, okay, like who says that to somebody you're teachable, but he, that, that was one of the things that he, he, he was like, I can give any information to anybody and I can share what I know to, to, to anybody. And he goes, I don't, I don't mentor a lot of people because I mentor my, my own kids who are all entrepreneurs. He was like, that's it. So I, I did feel as though he did, you know, see something that, you know, so there was, there was that piece where it's like, oh, okay. Like, I think I can get, I, I got this, you know, and it was just, again, having somebody who really did believe because I believed, you know, I believed in myself, but it's, you're going through all these things and you just start doubting. Like I said, you know, at one point I, I was thinking Aroga was going to dissolve itself. It didn't have money for the marketing yet. You know, you know, we had a, a problem with the accounts receivables and then having to make payroll, like, you know, just normal stuff that businesses go through. And, you know, I came up with a solution for that and okay, we're going to get deposits now. Okay. Well that fixed the problem because no new business. I mean, I'm in a situation where now I'm single and don't have another income to go back on. So the banks aren't looking at you. I mean, there was a lot of things that were very challenging during that time, but yes, he, um, I did do everything he said. And I, and I will say that it's, it is important not to think that, you know, everything. And I learned that from my grandfather. He goes, Bethany, you just got this big wig job as the director of nursing. I'm going to give you some advice. And he said, don't even pretend like you know everything because you don't. He goes, you're in a leadership role that is, it's a big role. And he goes, what you need to say, because you need to earn some people's trust. You need to say, I don't really know the answer to that, but I'll find out. And I learned that. And I think that that was a big thing because again, being really young and being in a, this big role where, and I, I'm not going to lie, directors of nursings, they're people who have, you know, bachelor's degrees, they've done nursing, you know, for more than 10 years, they're looking for, I mean, I was not qualified for this role. And so again, <laughs> just, yeah, listening, listening to those that have already kind of trailblazed is, is important. So before we wrap up there, there's one other thing that, that you've, kind of done differently within this industry and that's being more of a, a boutique uh, shop right so talk to us a little bit about what that means what's the importance of being a boutique and and why do you consider yourself that because I think it's a pretty big differentiator it is um you know for example the difference you know I, w I went to one of these meetings and I was like hey how many clients do you have and they're like 300 like, okay, how many caregivers do you have? They're like 1,500. 
And I'm thinking, okay, well, that's a lot. Being a maximizer myself, that would never work for me personally, because you, there's no way to oversee quality at that rate. And this is why you have these high turnovers. Again, I'm like, what's your turnover rate? So when we're growing, as we're growing, we're growing, but we're not letting things fall through the cracks. And so, you know, we are at care managers right now. We have probably more care managers than some of these, these big companies do, because I want to make sure that, you know, clients get your cell phone number. We also have clients that are taking their private jet and the caregivers to California to a black tie event with, you know, their loved one for two weeks, they're staying at their house in California. We are headhunting sometimes for clients that have very specific requests. You know, they want somebody who's, you know, a, you know, a CNA or a young nurse. They don't want anybody who's had experience. They want to train them from the ground up with their own nurses. And so again, we, it is really, really specific. I mean, we are very concierge when it comes to um, the individual needs of clients. And again, this is what it's all about. You know, we're, we're not being able, we're not putting a client's needs in a box and saying, this is just what we can do. Like they need somebody who can be there for the duration of care. That means they, you know, our caregivers have their own professional liability insurance. They can do transportation. They can do a lot of things that, you know, many of these companies are putting stipulations on their caregivers with, but we've, you know, found ways in which we can kind of open that up so that, you know, we're actually offering things that maybe are being offered. So, um, you know, again, that, that term, I, we, I always say we keep our client base small so we can focus on the quality, but really what we're doing is we're, it's not about the client base being small, is it we're keeping the client to care manager ratio small. I mean, very small. I mean, we're talking like 10, like care managers usually have 50. I'm like, you, you know, so, so it's all about, again, it's about the quality and people, it's kind of like the Louis Vuitton bag. It, there's something about exclusivity. And unfortunately with COVID, we really did have to kind of go into the space of because caregivers can ask for so much money, you know, an hour, we did have to kind of go into a space where our, our rates are really high, which kind of pushed us out of the regular market a little bit. So now we're in a more, again, we have lesser clients, but the clients that we do have have very specific needs and, you know, they're, and we, we've become the Louis Vuitton bag. Let's just put it that way. So, um, it's a good brand to emulate. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. You know, we, I mean, we we're headhunting, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a warm body. People want somebody who speaks Russian and they want, or that's probably a bad analogy right now. They want somebody who speaks <laughs> Spanish or whatever. So, you know, that's what we're looking for. And, um, you know, and, and we have a full-time recruiter who, you know, is, yeah. So, you know, before we turned on the recording, you talked about aerobic and the meaning of that. And I just thought, you know, on your website, it says more, it's, we're more than the absence of illness. It means to be, it means total well-being consisting of healthy mind, body, 
heart and soul. Well, there's a lot to that name and there's a lot to the purpose behind that. And there's a lot to you, Bethany, um, that exhibits and amplifies and um, exemplifies, quite frankly, this whole well-being consisting of a healthy mind, body, heart, and soul. So good job. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I appreciate that. But yes, that's what we're looking at. Everybody is consisting of all those things and they don't just need someone to take care of physical needs. They need someone to be a companion, to talk to them, to care about them and take care of the physical, help them with exercises and go for walks. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the whole picture. There's a whole person. It's not, you know, and I think sometimes that's missing, especially when people are coming and showing up for a job. And um, so again, it's, it's finding that, that, that match with these people and bringing them together so that, um, it's all about quality of life, no matter how we look at it, no matter what. So, yeah. So for anybody listening, if you want to, uh, to check out Aroga a little bit more, the website is arogahomecare.com. It's uh, Aroga underscore care on Instagram. And then I believe just Aroga on Facebook, right? Those best three places to send people. Or just arogacare.com with, okay, um, okay. You know, for the website, there's they all go to the same landing page, but got yeah. it. Yep, no, that makes sense. And then they can uh, connect with you as, as well on LinkedIn. We'll put um, links to that on the show notes. Yeah. Bethany, this has been fantastic. I've had a ton of fun. Thank you so much for uh, for sharing your story and and uh, all the lessons learned along the way. Yeah, thank you so much, Gary and Ben. I appreciate both of you. And um, and again, you know, it's an honor to be an, a guest on on your podcast. So. Until next time. That's right. <laughs> it's an honor knowing you, Bethany. Thank you. Thank you.